This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We are discussing today, as I promised today, we're talking about the Mashiach, Messiah. And uh, we're discussing the Rambam, very interesting Rambam. It's the last, it's the last halakhot of the Rambam. You can notice the whole Rambam, it's right at the end of the Rambam. And this, uh, the, what I'm going to read to you is censored by the Christians because it talks about Messiah, and uh, they believe the Messiah already came. So a whole chunk was censored, but today we have it back from manuscripts that they found in the Geniza and other places. So it's back in the Rambam. They took out the piece and they put it back. Okay. So we were discussing the Rambam. Why are we discussing the Ram, uh, Rambam's uh, Messiah? Because we said in the Tefillah, the order of the Shemun Asrei discusses also the Messianic era. Right, and uh, so we're going to discuss and compare the two uh, processes: the process in the siddur in the prayer book, and the process the Rambam is going to bring down, which we're going to discuss. So Rambam says, and this is chapter eleven of the laws of kings. So Rambam covers the whole of Jewish law, including the laws of kings, and laws of kings. He brings down the laws of, of Messiah in chapter eleven. Hamelech Hamashiach, the King Mashiach. So what does Mashiach mean? What does Mashiach mean? Uh, what does Mashiach mean? Anointed. Anointed. Mashiach. Mashiach means anointed with oil. oil. There's a special oil. And we find this with uh, Samuel the prophet. He anointed the first kings of Israel. He anointed King Saul. And then he anointed King David. And then he had a special oil to anoint. That's why he's called Mashiach. So he's not a savior. He is a Anointed one. He's the anointed one to be the king. He was the king of Israel. The Mashiach is going to be the king of Israel. Who's going to anoint him? Not me. <laughs> who's going to anoint him? Probably Eliyahu Navi. Probably Eliyahu Navi because we can find. So Eliyahu Navi is probably going to come and anoint the Mashiach. Probably. We don't know. The Raman doesn't tell us who. He just calls him the king, the anointed one. Atid la machut David. He's going to come and re- renew the kingdom of David. So he's going to be a descendant of King David. Mashiach is going to be a descendant of King David who is going to renew the kingdom of David. He's going to renew the kingdom of David. To its former glory, and Ubone HaMikdash, he will build the Beit HaMikdash. So he's going to be, he renew the kingdom of David, that's number one. Number two, he's going to build the temple. Mekabetz Nidchei Yisrael is going to gather in the exiles of the Jewish people. And then, Chuzrin Kola Mishpatim B'yamav Kiyush And then all the laws, all Jewish laws, will go back to what they were previously. So according to Rambam, Machshiach's job will not be to renew and, uh, well, to, to find new things to do, but he'll just go back to the old. He's going to go back to the previous kingdom of David, continue the previous king of David. Bring back all Jewish laws, bring back the Jewish people into Israel, rebuild the temple, Makriyin Korbanot, bring sacrifices, and make all the Shemitah, Yovel, all the mitzvot which are written in the Torah. And a person does not believe in this, and a person does not wait for him to come, denies the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu. So this is one of the 13 principles of faith. We believe there'll be a Mashiach, Mashiach will come, the Messiah will come, and renew the kingdom of David and rebuild the temple, and, and gather all the exiles. And that's what the Torah tells us uh, in Devarim, chapter Laman, chapter, chapter 30. Hashem will bring you back from your captivity. 
Hashem will bring you back from your captivity. Berichem Khan have mercy on you and he'll in, and gather you back from the exiles. And even if you be exiled to a distant place, Hashem will bring you back. So these are already explicitly in the Torah. So the Torah explicitly tells us, it's amazing how Moshe Rabbeinu, before he even died, he told us, you're going to be scattered on the four corners of the world, and I'm going to bring you back. And that's what we're seeing today. We're seeing the scattering of the Jews all over the world, and now we're seeing the Jews are coming back. And these are already mentioned explicitly in the Torah. So it's not like it was written later on by different prophets. It was written by Moshe Rabbeinu in the Torah, which is the highest Jewish source you can get to. It means Mashiach's on his way. Mashiach's on his way. Yeah, so let's see. Listen, let's see. You have, number one, he says a very important thing. He says number one is you have to believe in Mashiach. You have to believe Mashiach is coming. That's number one. So that is one of our principles of faith, that we believe the Messiah is coming. You know, that principle of faith is the hope that kept the Jews alive through the centuries. The hope that kept us alive. It's a very amazing concept. That right now things are not good, but we believe it's going to get better. Things are going to get better. That's the Mashiach. This idea of the Mashiach has kept us alive through the centuries. Things are going to get better. So he brings out other verses. What am I going to go through? The other verses. There are other verses in the prophets that discuss Mashiach. And uh, we know that. And then he tells us a very important idea. Ali Ali al Don't think that the Mashiach will come and do signs and wonders. And he will do miracles, and he will revive the dead. All these things. It's not true. The Mashiach will come in a very natural way. He'll be a human being like you and me, but probably on a higher level intellectually, and very brilliant genius. And uh, Ramam says that the proof is that Bar Kokhva, remember Bar Kokhva? Bar Kokhva in the time of the Romans, that Rabbi Kiva thought that Bar Kokhva was the Mashiach. So if you say Mashiach would be an angel or something special, uh, you see this wrong. Because Barakov was definitely not an angel. And he definitely was nothing special. And yet, Rabbi Kiva thought he was Mashiach. Okay, I'm just saying he was one of the great rabbis at that time. So we see Mashiach is a regular person. Mashiach is not someone unique. He's not an angel. Uh, it's just a regular person. And if he does all these things, we're going to talk about what the Mashiach has to do. Number one. So people write down this, uh, these are the criteria of Mashiach. So we already said, number one is he's got to be anointed. Mm-hmm. Number two, he's got to be from the house of David. Number three is he's got to rebuild the temple. Number four is he's going to ingather the exiles. So far, number four. So number five. Number five. He has to learn Torah. Osek Hogeba Torah. He's got to learn study Torah. Number six. Osek Mitzvot. And do mitzvot, just like his father David. Okay, according to the oral law and the written law. Uh, number six, he's going to do outreach. He's going to bring back all the Jews and strengthen their religion. What? What? what I he's going to bring back the Jewish people and strengthen their religion. Okay. There's all the people who are lost, all the Jews who are lost in the exiles. He'll bring them back. He'll make them religious. He's going to do kiruv, in other words. He's going to bring them back. That's the function of Mashiach. And then... This is the hardest part. He will fight the wars of God. Because we have many, many enemies in the world. Mashiach will also be a general. That's the thing. You know, people don't realize our greatest leaders were generals. Moshe Rabbeinu was a general. People don't realize. Yoshua was a general. David HaMelech was a general. King Saul was a 
generals, the old generals. You know, they were the head of the armies. He never fought the wars. Yehoshua did. No, he never really. Moshe Rabbeinu fought the war. Sure, with Amalek, he was on top of the mountain praying, but he was he was guiding. He was the general. He was the commander in chief. Put it that way. He was the commander in chief. Just like today, you have a commander in chief sits in the White House. So too, you had a commander in chief. Moshe Rabbeinu was the commander in chief. And Moshe Rabbeinu was considered the general of the, of the army, commander in chief. So Yoshua was the general. Actually, on the ground, and David was a general on the ground. Shaul was a general on the ground. Shmuel Hanavi, although he never he was a, he was a commander in chief. See, all the judges were generals, even Devora, right? Devora. What way were they generals? They were generals, in, in other words, they gave the instructions to the army. They told the army how to fight, yeah. what to do. So yeah, Devora had a, had a general. His general's name was was Barak. Uh, but she told him what to do, so she was really telling him, she's the commander-in-chief. He wouldn't go without her. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So he's going to fight all the wars, that's the hardest part for Mashiach. And if he does all these things, and he was successful, and he built the temple, and he gathered the Jews in, for sure he's a Mashiach. Now we know for sure he's a Mashiach. If you can do all these things, it's a very long list of things to do. And... So a guy comes and he says, you know, I'm the Mashiach. He says, sure, here. Here's a list of things to do. Go and do this list. And if you can do this list and still stay alive without being killed, you must be the Mashiach. And then, this is even, this is even harder. He's going to fix the whole world to, to serve Hashem together. All the nations of the world are going to worship Hashem together. And that is something, that's the job of the Mashiach, and this is brought down in the prophet Tsefania. Then I'll make the nations talk with a clear voice. Call out in the name of God and serve Him together. So that's amazing. The Mashiach's job will get all the nations to come together. Imagine you're going to have a prayer service in the United Nations. Mashiach won't be here for a long Mashiach time. Mashiach will be here, and all he'll do this. criterions. However, and this this is the part which was censored. Okay, we're coming to the part which was very debatable and censored. If a, if the Mashiach was not successful in these things, or is killed, this for sure he is not the Mashiach. If Mashiach died doing these things, he's not Mashiach. So uh, that's one of the things which we find. Mashiach dies in the middle of a job, doesn't complete the job. He's definitely not Mashiach. And uh, now we go through the different. That's what was there said. He's dead. Yeah, exactly. No question. He did yeah. some of these things, but he's dead. Yeah, he, he didn't do. Okay, let's not go into that. But but it's interesting because uh, everyone agrees if he died without Why, completing. Did they, did they believe that he was Mashiach? Without completing. Without completing the list, they're not Mashiach. person dies and without completing this list is definitely not Mashiach. Now we're going through the order in history. So this is interesting. And this is something which hopefully happened already. And that is, he talks about the beginning of the Messianic age will start on a bad note. It will start with Gog Umagog, the massive civil uh, world war, a world war. Hopefully this world war already happened. Hopefully. Hopefully. And uh, there are opinions that say the Second World War was this world war. And 
before the world war, there will be a prophet who will come to straighten out the Jews. That's interesting. So we don't have prophecy yet. But first stage will be a prophet will come, then there will be a world war. And who is this prophet? And the answer is, this is Eliyahu Navi. Elijah the prophet is going to come, and he's not going to come to purify people. He's not going to come to tell you who's Jewish, who's not Jewish. He's not going to come to tell you who's not, uh, kosher and not kosher. He's going to come to make peace in the world. Amazing. The job of Eliyahu Navi will be to make peace in the world. As it says, Eshiv Levavod Abanim. He'll bring back the fathers to their sons and bring back their sons to their fathers. He will connect the generations. What does that mean today? There's a generation gap. The biggest problem we have today is a generation gap. So today's technology is moving at such a pace, our kids know more than us and they think we're, we don't know what we're talking about. So there's going to be a massive generation gap, and you see this today in the Jewish world. You see parents who are religious, their children not religious. You see parents who are not religious and their children are religious. There's going to be a terrific generation gap. And the job of the Mashiach will be to bridge the gap. So his job in the world will be to make peace. And uh, So some people say, before Mashiach comes, Eliyahu Navi will come. And then he says a very important rule. Look what he tells us. He says, this is Rambam. All these things. A person will not know what will exactly happen until it happens. All these things, we don't know for sure what's going to happen. We just have this general list. We don't know in which, which order it's going to happen. So it's interesting. If you look at the order today, you see that the prayers, our Amidah, Shimon Astra, is much more accurate than the list that Rambam provides in terms of what's going to happen. Can you pass me a seder, please? Uh, yes, what? So let's just go through the list. Okay. So how many do you have on your list? Uh, how many do you have on your list? Eight. You have eight things on your list. How, which order is going to happen? So Rambam says we don't know the order of these things. What is the order? But if you look at the prayer book and you go through our Shmonastra, you'll see amazing order. And you'll see how these things are coming up. That's why, that's why I'm discussing this now. Because we're in the section, the Messianic section. So the first thing on the list, the, the, in our prayers, we say, Below the shofar for our redemption. So if you look around you today, this already happened. When was the shofar for our redemption? 1948. In 1948, the declaration of the state of Israel was the shofar for our redemption. Number two, bring back our judges, like we had previously. Now this has not come true yet, but in Israel there will be Jewish law. In other words, today we don't realize Israel is a secular state. The law is based on old Turkish and British law. It's amazing. But what they tried to do, Begin, when he came in, he tried to bring back what's called Mishpat Ivri. Mishpat Ivri is Jewish law. So he tried here. He set up a division in the uh, Ministry of Justice in Israel, trying to bring back Jewish law and make it part of the Israeli law. So, for example, the things where there's no debates. Like, for example, let me give you an example. There's a famous Gemara in Baba Metziah, and it's the second chapter of Baba Metziah, which talks about the laws of returning lost objects. So now, Imagine, it was a theoretical law for thousands of years. Begin was successful in bringing it back and making it part of Israeli law. So Israeli law is the laws of lost objects, returning lost objects, which is in the Talmud, from Mishpashat Mishpatim, is now part of Israeli law. Amazing. So it became Israeli law. Jewish law became Israeli law. That's what we're talking about over here. 
bring back our justice system as we had before. So making Jewish law part of the Israeli law, that is what we're talking about. That's what the Pastor should have in mind when they say this bracha. Please, Hashem, make Jewish law the law of the country and not, not British law, not Turkish law. It's amazing. Ottoman law. Who would think, you know, today in Israel, they still follow Ottoman case law and British law? Because that's what they inherited. So they just kept it going. So now they're putting back Jewish law into the Israeli law. And now we come to another bracha, which is to destroy people who uh, tell on us. Unfortunately, during the Second Temple era, in the Second Temple era, there were a group of people who would go and tell on the Jews, make trouble between the Jews and the Romans. And the Romans, boy, they were, they were tough. The Romans were tough. So these guys would go and tell tales to the Romans, and the Romans would come and destroy people. And so we pray against these people who go and tell tales about us. And then we talk about Hashem dwelling in Yerushalayim. Tishkom Yerushalayim. Hashem should bring back the Shekhinah's presence to Yerushalayim and rebuild Yerushalayim. It's amazing. This is happening around us. If you go to Yerushalayim today, what will you see? Cranes. You'll see cranes and tractors and bulldozers because they're building and building nonstop. They never end building. It's amazing how it's really, Yerushalayim has grown so much. It's hard to recognize that little small town. You could walk from one end of the town to the other end of the town in one hour. And today it takes you hours and hours to walk. Because the roads go like this anyway. So, <laughs> so anyway, so it's, uh, it's amazing what's, what's happened over there. I mean, it's a, it's a revolution. It's a revolution going on around our, our eyes. We see it, trains going through Yerushalayim. You know, these, uh, what are they called? <clears throat> they have a metro trains going through uh, Yerushalayim. Light rail. Like, light rail. Light rail. Prices going up too. Prices are always prices. <laughs> <laughs> and then in our prayers, we pray for Mashiach. So look, look at the order of the, of the prayers. The prayers are, number one is, announce the state. Isn't that amazing? This is the order of the prayers. Announce the state. Bring back our laws. Hashem, dwell back in Yerushalayim. Rebuild Yerushalayim. And then, Mashiach. So it's number four on the list. Not number one on the list. In our prayers. It's amazing. So how accurate the prayer book is. We're going to see how, how accurate it is in predicting what's going to happen. The events that happened already already mentioned in the right order in the prayer book. The prayer book goes really in order. According to Rambam, Mashiach would have to come first before some of these things happen. We see the order of the Rambam is not accurate. And the Rambam himself says, we can't blame the Rambam because Rambam himself says, we don't know for sure the order of these things. Mm-hmm. Rambam himself says, I don't know the order of these things. So uh, we have a war, we have this big war, Gog and Magog, we have Eliyahu Navi coming, we have the Mashiach being uh, anointed, and the job of Eliyahu Navi will be to make peace in the world, and the job of the Mashiach will be to get all the people to come and bow down to God, to bless God and pray to God. The time of the Mashiach, when all the Jews go back to Israel, Ruach HaKodesh will rest on him. He will be like a, like a prophet. And uh, he will tell us who is a Kohen and who is a Levi. Unfortunately, during the ages, many false people came along and said, we are Kohanim. Because it was a very high honor to be a Kohen. So many people came along and said, we claim to be Kohanim. They claim to be Leviim. And the Baruch Hashem, 
Mashiach will come and he'll tell you exactly, this is a real coin, this is a real Levi. There's a fascinating story a couple hundred years ago of Rav Sadia Gaon. Rav Sadia Gaon was one of the Geonim in Babylon, mm-hmm. and he had a dream. And in his dream he saw, if you bring all the Kohanim to the, to, to the where the temple was standing, make them say, Brikat Kohanim, on Cholamoyed Sukkot, the Mashiach will come. So he made a big announcement, all the Kohanim should go to Yushalayim on Sukkot and make a big Brikat Kohanim by the Kotel and Mashiach will come. And all the Kohanim went from all over the world and they come there and they bless the people and nothing happened. So he said, Eliyahu Navi, he said, what happened? You, you told me my dream. You bring all the Kohanim to the Kotel and make a Brikat Kohanim and the Mashiach is going to come. He said, you see that guy over there who's lame over there, that guy over there? He said, that's the only real Kohen. For all these Kohanim, there's only one guy who's really a Kohen. In other words, there are many fakes. Many people pretend to be Kohanim who are not real Kohanim. So today what happens is, if you go to the Kotel on Cholamoid Sukkot, you'll find thousands and thousands of Kohanim blessing the people. It's amazing. This tradition continued. Cholamoid, every Cholamoid, Brikat Kohanim, massive Brikat Kohanim. There must be 100,000 people at the Kotel. And the Kohanim are there blessing all the people. See, the DNA only helps you to know the father's side, but not the mother's side. So a person may be a Kohen, but not be a Jew. <laughs> Ironic, right? A few years ago, I think under, who was it under? Uh, we had a defense minister in America called William Cohen. Yes, he wasn't Jewish. He wasn't Jewish. He was a Kohen, for sure he was a Kohen. But his father was Cohen, but his mother was not he was Jewish. In the government. Yeah, right. He was the minister of defense, William Cohen. So how do you trace the lineage? I mean, how, how would you know for sure? That's why we said Ruach Kodesh has to rest on the Kohen Gadol, on the uh, Mashiach. Yeah. How would you trace the lineage of David? Good question. Very good question. I don't know. Listen, this is uh, Eliana. He will be there to give witness. This is guy is a truly descendant of King David. This guy is truly a Cohen. This guy is truly a Levi. So we'll go by his. Uh, it's not something a regular person can do. So that's what he says. In Tamata, you, you learn from here, all this will be done with Ruach HaKodesh. Telling you who's who will be done through Ruach HaKodesh. The Holy Spirit will rest on this uh, Mashiach and Eliyahu Navi, and they will tell you who is a Kohen and who is a Levi. Now, why do we care about Mashiach? Why do Jews, through the ages, pray for Mashiach? Why do we care... Why do we bother? So look what he says. This is amazing. We have to advertise this because people don't know this. The rabbis and the prophets did not desire the days of Mashiach. He's talking about the negative now. They did not desire the days of Mashiach not to rule the world, not to take vengeance on our enemies, not to be uh, regarded in high esteem by the uh, nations, and not to eat and drink and to be happy. Why do they want Mashiach then? Yes. Just to be left in peace, to learn Torah. That's our main goal. The main goal of Mashiach is not to rule the world, not to take money, not for vengeance, not for anything negative. Just give us time. All we want to do is sit down and learn Torah. That's what we want to do. We won't have any people who are our enemies who will trouble us and not allow us to learn Torah. And why do we want to learn Torah? Look what he says over here. Mm-hmm. So that we will be worthy to get to the next world. So in other words, 
There's two stages over here. Number one is this world. We want peace in this world. Why do we want peace in this world? So we can develop our souls in this world. We can earn our reward in this world because this is our world for saving up for retirement. People don't realize that. People talk about retirement, 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 but they don't realize the real retirement is not in this world. The real retirement is in the next world. And if you don't save up for retirement in this world, there won't be a retirement in the next world. So we are saving up for our retirement. And therefore we need this world, we need a world of peace and security over here in order to be able to have time, to be able to learn Torah and do mitzvot without anyone bothering us. And this way we will obtain the next world, which is Chayol which we talk about the life in the next world. And that time, he says, when the Mashiach comes, the Messianic age, there'll be no famine, there'll be no wars, there'll be no jealousies, because there'll be so much goodness in the world, people won't be jealous anymore. Everyone will have. There's no have-nots anymore. In the Messianic period, there'll be no have-nots, everyone will be have. And there won't be any jealousies, and all the pleasures of the world be, will be abundant like dust. Amazing concept. Words. We're talking about a world which, unfortunately, could happen now. If the nations of the world wanted it, there's enough wealth to go around for everyone. Unfortunately, today, the wealth is in the hands of a few. The wealth of the world today is in the hands of a few. It's not shared. And similarly, we have all the technologies in the world. There's definitely enough food to go around, but the food is not distributed properly. So we have the ability today, instead of uh, putting money into finding new, new uh, things, weapons of war, put the money into solving medical issues. Put the money into extending life. We have the powers, we just don't have the proper guidance to do this. So in time of Mashiach, Mashiach with the guidance, say, listen, no more wars. Research will go into providing for the world comfortably. Everyone should live comfortably. <laughs> Such, that will happen. And we, why do we want that to happen? Why? Because then there'll be peace in the world, and then we'll be able to learn Torah and do mitzvot. To be able to have earn enough spiritual reward for the next world. And the whole business of the world will be to know Hashem. That's amazing, because it's a very high level. Imagine every single human being will be focused on trying to find out about God. Uh, what is does uh, Yishayah say? Lot Samalamayim they're not thirsty for water. Ki'im devrei Hashem. They're only thirsty for the words of God. They're not gonna be, people are not going to be thirsty for water. Uh, they're only going to be thirsty for the words of God. Can you imagine? People are going to flock around. I want to study, I want to study, I want to study, I want to study. It's, uh, in those days, can you imagine? You see today, when the Apple phone came out, the people lining up outside. Three nights before, three days in a row, lining up to get a phone. Right? They don't do that anymore. But uh, they used to do that. And uh, many people lining up around the block to go into shul. Many people right, lining up around the block to get into a class, to get a shul. So today, uh, today we're seeing it. Today you go to Sima Shas, you got 100,000 people. I mean, it's never happened before. It's amazing. It's a miracle. So these are things which slowly are happening around us. We just don't pay attention. It's happening around us already. It means that Mashiach is on his way. Exactly. So things are happening already that we've never seen for thousands of years. And things are happening today that we've never seen before. So it's amazing. But we just don't know the, the order and the chronology of the events. But our Siddur seems to be the most accurate. The chronology of the events seems to be the most accurate. The Siddur. So there'll be no famine. 
let me know wars, no jealousy. Why? Because everyone will be living in a very good lifestyle. And the, the pleasures of the world will be frequent, and there will be no other business in the world except knowledge of Hashem. That's amazing. No other business in the world. Imagine. Everyone in the world will be busy knowing Hashem. That's amazing. They'll be going to school. They'll be going to classes. And that's why he says, that will be our job. Our job as Jews will be to teach the rest of the world. Our job as Jews will be, everyone over here will be teachers. Our job will be to teach the rest of the world, whatever you know, to teach the rest of the world. And that's why, therefore he says, the, the Jews at that time will be white, wise men. And they'll, they'll realize things which are hidden from us today. And the knowledge of God will fill up the world like water fills the seas. So I just want to continue with a little bit of science about the human body because this is something which can bring us closer to God. David HaMelech says, From my flesh I will see God. How does a person see God through their flesh? And the answer is, think about the design of the human body, you'll see the genius of God. It's amazing. I don't know how many specialties there are today in medicine. Think about it. How many specialists? How many specialties are there? Many. Maybe 18. There may be 18, if not more, specialties of medicine today. So you have a doctor of the heart. You have a heart doctor. Now, even in heart doctors, there's two kinds of doctors. There are, there are uh, plumbers and electricians. It's amazing. The plumbers deal with the, the physical flow of the blood, and the electricians deal with the electric part of the blood, heart. It's amazing. People don't realize that without the electric pulses in the heart, the heart will not pump. It's like, a, it's like an internal combustion engine. You need the spark plugs. So the heart has its own spark plugs. Amazing. That spark the heart to pump. Without that spark, heart pumps. doesn't pump. Sometimes that pump is irregular. So they have to give it a shock to make it go back to its uh, regular routine. It's amazing. The, the, the parts of the, of the uh, body are so complex. So let's start with the brain. The brain is more sophisticated than any computer of the world. It is estimated to be capable of storing 15 trillion separate pieces of information. <laughs> you know, we have a problem. The problem is not with the information that we store. The problem is how to access the information. The information is inside. For example, Alzheimer's, right? The person doesn't have a problem. They have the information. It's still inside. The trouble is how to access it. The accessing of the information is a problem. So a person got to keep on accessing information this way. It's like a muscle. The brain is like a muscle. The more you use it, the more it will work. The more you don't use it, the less it will work. It's amazing. So to keep the muscles fit of the brain, that's why you see the guys learning Talmud. keeps them, their brain functioning on a very high level. And you see these great rabbis, 104 years old, sharp as whistles. Why? Because their brain is functioning all the time. So it's amazing. There's 30 billion nerve cells in the brain. 30 billion nerve cells in the brain. Interconnected. They're interconnected. The brain has its own wiring. It's amazing. Think about it. How... There's wiring in the brain. There's electric uh, impulses in the brain. And what is the brain? It's a piece of meat. I mean, it's amazing. How did God create a piece of meat that can think? It's, it's a miracle. How, how do you have a brain that has emotions? This, this is the size of the brain that you have different parts of the brain. And these parts of the brain are interconnected 60,000 times. Different places. They're interconnected. All of this compact size of a human skull. To perform all the functions, the brain uses about 20% of the body's blood, blood supply. 20% of the body's blood supply goes to this little brain over here. 
and he uses 25% of the oxygen. The brain never sleeps. It's like a computer, really, never sleeps. It is always busy, evaluating, processing, responding to information, even when you're asleep. It's amazing that we have a computer in our heads, people don't realize. We have a computer, a portable laptop. It's better than a laptop. It has more information than a laptop. And you can access it without even, without doing anything. It's all part of your brain. It's like, it's immediate. It's, it's instant information, instant. I think the eyes are attached. We didn't get to the eyes yet. We didn't get to the eyes. We're going to talk about the eyes. Mm-hmm. So, amazing that the brain is working 24-7. We don't really realize it. Your brain is working 24-7. And your subconscious is working all the time. And uh, there's parts of the brain we don't even know about today. We're still fighting out about the brain. Different parts of the brain. Number two, the eyes. We have to thank Hashem every day. We do. Which bracha do we say on the eyes? Thank God for letting me see. Give me the ability to see. It's amazing. The eyes, one of the most amazing creations, has the ability to transfer images to the brain through millions of fibers. So they talk about uh, fiber, you know, the optimum. You know, optimum, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Fiber optics. Fiber optics. Fiber optics. The eye has hundreds of thousands of optic nerves. Amazing. Go through the optic nerve. Hundreds of thousands. Millions of fibers. Millions of fibers. Amazing. Can't imagine. The retina of the eye contains 137 million light-sensitive receptor cells. See, that's such small, your small little piece. 137 million receptors. Hard to imagine. 130 million shaped like rods, which are black and white vision. And seven million shaped like cones for color vision. I mean, how do they fit this in what little? So you have to imagine Hashem's amazing, amazing abilities of creating this thing. It grows by itself. Amazing. Not only does it grow, but the 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 cells grow two ways. When a child is born, the cells grow from the brain to the eye, and from the eye to the brain. Can you imagine the cells are growing on both sides. The fact that they meet is a tremendous miracle. Imagine digging two sides of the world. One of the, one of the f- fascinating engineering feats was the feat of Chizkiyahu HaMelech. Chizkiyahu HaMelech built a tunnel under Yerushalayim to take all the water from the stream. And it's called Chizkiyahu's Tunnel. And they dug from two sides. And it was a miracle that they met. In those days, no GPS. Today you have GPS. You can imagine, coming from, one's coming from this side, one's coming from that side. I don't know how they did it. They must be measuring and I don't know how they I did it. And, and you see today, they have a uh, 2,000 year old, it's now 2,500 20, year old inscription over there. And the two sides met. Amazing. So today you can actually walk through that tunnel. But the fact that these two fibers are growing from two sides and, and can meeting at the end, it's a miracle. Amazing. So 137 million receptors of light inside the retina. Amazing. The eye is continually being bathed in a soothing antiseptic perspiration. Amazing. Think about it, your eyes are always have water around them, which is, uh, stops all the germs from getting in. And the eyelashes help keep out foreign matter. The eye functions as an information-gathering machine. The eyes are basically spies. Right? How do you spy out where you are? You spy it with your eyes. And that's why the Torah says, Don't go after your heart and your eyes. Because unfortunately, the eye sees, the heart desires... And the body finishes off. So a person got to be careful. The eyes are powerful. Sight is the most powerful sense. More than anything else. Sight 
is the most powerful sense, and that's why Hashem gave us the biggest guard around the eyes, which is the eyelids. And that's the quickest reflex of a human being. The quickest reflex of a human being is shutting one's eyes, and they shut even whether you like them or not, they shut by themselves. So it's amazing. The eye functions as an information gathering machine, which immediately reports its findings to the brain. The brain interprets and makes use of the information. It's hard to imagine. Hashem gave us the ability to see, and then the ability to process what we see. Amazing. Thank Hashem for your ears. The ears lubricate themselves with the ear wax. We think the wax is bad. The wax, without the wax, you won't be able to hear. The wax is a lubricant for the ear. It contains 4,000 wax glands. Imagine. Because there's 4,000 wax glands in your ear. And they're operating whether you like it or not. 24-7 without you even knowing about it. And you don't have to think about it. Imagine a guy has to think about, I need some more wax over there. <laughs> I need some more lubricants in my eyes. It's all automatic. The body operates automatically. It's amazing. They serve as a sticky fly paper trap. Imagine. You're sleeping and there's insects crawling over you. They get into the ear and they get trapped over there. They can't get in. It's a trap to keep guard against infection, keep out insects and dust. Amazing. The ears, look at the shape of the ears. They gather the sound, the waves, sound waves. Amazing how they gather the sound waves. And hollows to catch and gather the sound waves. The ears are composed of thin and resilient cartilage. I like plastic. Amazing. Hashem made a plastic that can grow with you. Cartilage. Amazing. They fold neatly out of the way when the head is placed on a pillow without the slightest discomfort. If they were made of stiffer material, they would crack. Imagine. Think about it. How Hashem made the ears designed. You can lean against it, you can lie down on it, and they don't crack. It's amazing. Thank Hashem for your teeth. The teeth serve as a frame for the mouth. If it wasn't for the teeth, the mouth would collapse. You see, older people without teeth, their mouth collapses. The teeth of the upper jaw overlap the corresponding teeth in the lower jaw in order to prevent the cheeks from getting bitten each time the jaws close. Imagine. The front teeth are all sharp-edged to cut off pieces of food into convenient sizes. For chewing, the multi-surface back teeth grind the food. Amazing how the teeth are shaped, designed for chewing. Amazing. And uh, how kids are born and see the teeth growing. Amazing how teeth can grow inside. And they replace each other. It's amazing. Think about it. Just when a person's face is big, you need different kinds of shaped teeth. So Hashem says, okay, I'll make new teeth for you. Bigger teeth for you when you grow up. It's amazing. You have two, two sets of teeth. Person has two sets of teeth. When they're young, get one set. It falls out, you get another set. Amazing. Thank Hashem for our hands and our fingers. Our hands are so complex. A combination of hinges and levers that require 30 bones each. There's actually, if you count the, the bones in your finger, one, two, three, four, five. There's 14 bones in the fingers. And that's the gematria of the word yad. Yad is hand. But that's just the fingers. Fourteen bones in the fingers. But there are thirty bones altogether in all the hand. In the hand, thirty bones altogether. So there's a lot of bones in the, in the hand. Imagine, the hands are so complex. Thirty bones. About a quarter of all the bones in the body are in the hand. A quarter of a person's bones wow. are in the hand. They're all the biggest bones. They're small bones, but they're all in the hand. You need a hand doctor to go to. Today is a specialist, a hand doctor. Everyone knows how the hand works. Hand is special. And uh, estimated that in a person's lifetime, they use their hands at least 25 million times. Imagine, it's amazing how they keep on moving. You know, 
and the thought process is so fast that the nerves go, the, delivers the, uh, the uh, information to the bones. Move, move, go this, go like this. Then you have the different kinds of control, right? You have the fine motor skills, you have the coarse motor skills. It's amazing how Hashem created human being. Fingers are miraculous inventions created by the master inventor. Each finger is a different size, making the hand similar to a toolbox of a master craftsman. Imagine. Each, ha- each finger can do a different job. You wanna, you're equipped to do many, many little jobs with a person's fingers. Imagine. Our fingerprints are textured prints, allowing for a better grip and traction. Imagine, Hashem thought about it. Imagine if all the skin was smooth, you wouldn't have traction. So anything slippery would just fall through your fingers. But you have grips on your fingers. The contours on the fingers are grips. To grip everything. Amazing. Buttons and zippers will be difficult to maneuver with our fingers. Thank God for our feet. The feet provide us with a 24-hour transportation. When we arrive at a destination, you don't have to look for a parking spot. <laughs> our legs stuck under us. Amazing. We prefer to stand. Our feet lock into place to allow us to maintain that position. The skin of the sole of the feet is ten times thicker than anywhere in the body. For protection and padding. I, I saw a guy, my chavruta in, uh, in yeshiva, he was actually from the South African army. He was South African. He went to the South African army. They make them walk barefooted through the forest. Wow. I've never seen a guy's feet like that. His feet were cut, many different crisscrosses, and the skin was much thicker than my skin. Imagine the skin of the feet. He walked barefoot through the forest in order not to make a noise. You know, like they, they try and get them to not to walk through the forest without making a noise. They make them walk with bare feet. I've never seen a feet like that, boy. That's real torture to walk through a forest with no, no shoes. Imagine. But uh, eventually, the feet developed this the skin 25 times thicker than the rest of the body. Amazing. Yeah. I was going to say about with the fingers, what about that? We all have different fingerprints. Right. Even the twins. Even mm-hmm. twins who are uh, same. Exactly the same. The fingerprints are different. Identical. Amazing. Identical twins. In other words, everyone's different. Even you may look the same, you're different. Everyone's different. We're equal and different at the same time. Hashem did a good job. Amazing, amazing. I'm sure he appreciates the Imagine, you don't, even have to look for, you don't even have to look for a parking spot. You just tuck your feet underneath you. Thank Hashem for the skin. The skin is an insulator to conserve body heat. Can you imagine, without a skin, a person's heat would just get out. You lose your heat. Anyway. Provides also air conditioning. In the summer, through the sweat which evaporates from the surface of the skin, a piece of skin. This is, I can't believe this. I don't know if this is true, but look at this statistic. You can do some. Look up this statistic. One square inch of skin contains four million cells. This is the next part. Comedy. Four feet of blood vessels. How can that be possible? Five yards of nerves. Every inch. Square has five yards of nerves, 120 sweat glands, 20 oil glands, and 30 nerve ends. Not to mention. Now, this is amazing. This is a real miracle. When a break occurs in the skin, the skin, the skin will actually reunite itself. How does the skin regenerate? Amazing, amazing. Just think about it. You go to sleep and your skin is reju- rejuvenating. It's amazing how many times you cut your skin and it grows back. This engineering feat is even more complicated than erecting a skyscraper. The skin rehealing itself is amazing. It reheals itself. 
Thank God for the heart. The heart works non-stop through the day and night. Between 70 and 120 years. Every day the heart pumps blood through approximately 60,000 miles of blood vessels. Imagine 60,000 miles of blood vessels. Hard to imagine. The heart circulates approximately 2,000 gallons of blood a day. It's the same blood being recirculated all the time. 2,000 gallons of blood a day. In a lifetime moves over 73 million gallons of blood. The heart is going to be is the strongest and hardest working of all the muscles in constant use within the body. Has no self-generator. We talked about the electrical system of the heart. And he's no cranking, starting or pilot light. Has its own self-nourishment system, the coronary arteries. These require about one twentieth of the entire blood supply. So five percent of the blood supply buzzer goes into the heart to keep the heart pumping. Amazing. Yeah. What about the skin for your whole life? It stays clean. Yeah, I don't know. It stays clean. It depends on how hygiene, but... No, I mean, like, there's so many years... You have to take, to, you have to take a shower. I know, but it's just amazing. <laughs> it doesn't stay clean by itself. <laughs> Thank God for the kidneys. Imagine, a person dialysis. Imagine, our kidneys are little, little peanuts. And a person with dialysis, you see this massive machine which purifies the blood. Can you imagine how, how much... It's amazing how Hashem created these little things that can do the work of massive machines. The primary function is to filter the blood and detoxify its waste products. They serve as the master chemists in the human body. They weigh only about five ounces. Each contain within themselves an estimate of two million filtering units. Kidneys, two million filtering units, which filter 450 gallons of blood. All the blood of the body once every half hour. And it filters all the blood in the body every half an hour. They monitor the amount of sugar and salt in the body and see the balance of protein. Thank Hashem for the liver. The liver converts the food into blood and distributes it all over the body. The liver is an organ weighing approximately three pounds. It's the largest organ in the whole body. Its functions are so complex, scientists estimate it performs over 500 different jobs, the liver. It produces vitamin A which is essential for healthy vision, the ability to overcome night blindness. It produces over 1,000 different enzymes that produce all types of materials. The miracle of blood clotting depends on the liver's production of vitamin K. And that's why babies, the Brit Milah, it's amazing how, actually, eight days old, that's when the liver starts functioning and gives the vitamin K, which blots, clots the blood. Amazing. So these are amazing insights that we have taken with us and that's why when a person leaves the bathroom, there's a bracha to be said. Thank you, Hashem, King of the Universe, who formed the person with wisdom and created within them many openings and many hollow organs. It is obvious and known before your throne of glory that even if one of them becomes blocked, or if one of them ruptures, it would be impossible to survive even for a short period. So let's be mindful of the wonders of the human body. Let's be mindful also saying this blessing. Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.